You're listening to the newest episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life, with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 32nd episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. Today I want to begin the conversation about creating a need-satisfying environment in school or work, because the process is the same in both locations. When you're a teacher or leader, one of the most important parts of your job is creating a need-satisfying environment for your students or workers. As the teacher or leader, you have a responsibility for creating the culture and the school or work environment. When your students and employees have ample opportunity to get their needs met in their respective environments, they'll be happier and better learners and producers. Additionally, the fact that your needs also need to be met is important in creating the culture. If you create a culture where your students or your workers can meet their needs, but you neglect to also set it up so you can meet yours, you'll be an unhappy teacher or leader, making the environment less satisfying for you and the others in it. When a problem does arise, and it sometimes will, it's best to not focus on the problematic behavior, but rather the unmet need that underlies that behavior. When students and workers have responsible ways to get their needs met within their environment, they won't have to create less responsible ways that often need to be addressed by you. Focus on the need that is unmet and work with the person to figure out better ways to meet that need in non-disruptive ways. This works for yourself, too. If you're feeling frustrated and out of sorts, it's helpful to run through your own needs to see if one or more are being compromised or frustrated. When you find the need or needs you've been neglecting, you'll know some things you can do to get yourself back on track. What are the needs that must be met? Safety and security, connection, significance, freedom, and joy. Let's look at the specifics of each. When you focus on the safety and security need, the first thing that must be attended to is everyone's physical safety. Do you, as the teacher or leader, prioritize the physical safety of the people you're managing? Safety is typically a non-negotiable in most cultures. When a student or worker threatens the safety of another person, there must be an intervention to stop the aggression, threat of violence, or violence, and address it seriously and swiftly. You can also attend to safety and security through the physical environment. To state the obvious, it's important to have access to food, water, and bathrooms. Enriching oxygen in the environment with plants can help, as well as having open windows and fresh air. Working to replace harsh fluorescent lighting with incandescent bulbs can also help. If ergonomic workspaces are possible, this is a plus. Allowing for physical rest at one's desk or the ability to have a stretch break, as long as it doesn't interfere with others focusing on their work, are also big pluses. It can be valuable to have motivational artwork on the walls. But safety and security isn't just about physical safety. You must consider mental and emotional safety as well. What does that look like? Well, for workers and students to feel mentally and emotionally safe, You need to model that mistakes are learning opportunities and not something to be punished. It helps to discuss them in private instead of in front of others. As the teacher or leader, you're vigilant in noticing when tension exists in the group and you're quick to address it. Discrimination and oppression are not tolerated in your culture. 
When you're an empowered teacher or leader, you base your culture on the elimination of the disconnecting relationship habits and the employment of the connecting ones. For more on relationship habits, check out episode 7. Gossip won't be tolerated. Transparency is important. For people to feel safe and secure, they need to know the rules and that they're applied equally. They need to clearly know the boundaries and parameters of what they're being asked to do, as well as what could happen should they fall short. Safety and security are enhanced for people when the teacher or leader provides a clear vision and strategic direction. They like to know what the plan is and how they fit into it. And people like to have the assurance that if they do their part, their jobs are safe and secure. Students like to understand what they're being asked to learn and why. How will it benefit them in the future? When people don't feel safe and secure, when they're fearful, we know from Bruce Lipton's work that they cannot learn. When people are fearful, it puts them in fight or flight response. This triggers a lot of chemical and biological responses. Some things will be enhanced, such as reflexiveness, faster speed, and responsiveness, but the higher-order thinking of the frontal lobe shuts down in fearful situations, causing learning to be compromised. This is not the ideal state for either students or people at work. And remember, you must also craft the environment so you're able to get your own need for safety and security met within it. Your goal under this need is to create and maintain trust. Given the power differential, this is largely the responsibility of the teacher or manager. You'll need to model being trustworthy as well as extending your trust to the students or employees. Safety and security is often built on supportive, positive relationships, which leads me to our next need, connection. People have an inherent need to be connected to others and to have a connection to their work. There's several relationships in the classroom or workplace that the teacher or leader are either responsible for or have great influence over. It's critical to attend to relationships both for your own connection need and for others. Here are some of the connections you'll want to be in tune with. There's the relationship between you and the students or workers. You're responsible for the relationship you have with either your students or employees. Of course, the individual student and employee have responsibility for their part in the relationship. You can't create a relationship on your own in a vacuum. However, you can keep extending yourself, attempting to get to know the person better until you find something to like, and hopefully they do the same. You're looking for things you might have in common, noticing the energy of the person if they seem upset or troubled by something or in good spirits, focusing on their strengths, and when necessary, providing them with information that can help them do their assignment or job even better. If you know about things the person cares about, be sure to occasionally ask about those things. Names are important. Find out what people like to be called and address them by the name they prefer. Relationship is the root of all influence, and you want to be sure to build positive ones so you'll have the opportunity to influence your students and employees in positive directions. You may think the way to get people to work hard is by controlling them with a strict hand, but this will rarely reap the results you hope for. People resist this kind of coercion. When they do, you believe the answer is more coercion, which will only make the situation worse, so you'll need more coercion, and on and on it goes. People don't need coercion to produce better. They need internal motivation, 
a reason. And one of the things that can motivate a person is looking to please their teacher or manager. If they like you, they'll care what you think of them and their work. For people with a high need for connection, it's important to provide opportunities for them to work in small cooperative teams or groups. Having class or work group meetings is an important way to provide the opportunity for everyone to have the chance to speak on a given topic. The mores of the meeting include listening to input from everyone, even if that input is simply to say, I have nothing more to say on the topic. It fosters diversity and inclusion. Then there's the relationship between the students or workers. When you're leading students or employees, you'll also want to foster positive, supportive relationships between and among them. When the people in the learning or work environment are cooperative instead of competitive, positive things will happen. They'll be able to work independently or in teams without tension and personality conflicts. You'll not have to spend your precious time managing conflict between students or workers. It does require time, skill, and commitment to create a culture of getting along with one another in the community, but it's well worth the effort on the back end. The empowered teacher and leader knows that fostering relationships between people is done through getting to know you activities and team building. When people have opportunities to genuinely get to know one another, the environment will be such that people don't want to hurt others, and on those rare occasions when it happens, there will be others who will step up and defend the injured party. A fabulous way to build relationship is through the expectation of the use of the connecting relationship habits of listening, supporting, encouraging, trusting, respecting, accepting, and negotiating differences. You'll be modeling that with students or employees, and you'll also offer to assist in situations where negotiation is required if the individuals haven't been successful in working it out for themselves. There's also the relationship between your people and administration or higher management. As a teacher, you want to help your students foster healthy relationships with other teachers and administration. It's tempting, especially when connection is your highest need, to want your students to like you the best out of all the adults in school. This may naturally happen, but shouldn't be your goal. Your goal should be to help foster as many positive, healthy, quality relationships for each student as you can, so that if you're not available one day for whatever reason, your students have multiple other people to turn to. As a manager, you're responsible to help your people build trusting relationships with upper management too. It's tempting in a middle management position to create an us-versus-them mentality by siding with your workers on issues while criticizing the powers that be. This may provide you with some temporary relationship capital, but it doesn't help you or your workers in the long run. You might get promoted to being one of the them one day and will have set up a mistrustful relationship before you even get started. Middle management is a tough position. You need to passionately advocate for your people while passionately communicating management side to them in a fair manner. This will help build respect for tough decisions that get made without throwing management under the proverbial bus. And finally, there's the relationship between people and their work. People need a connection to their purpose. When you ask people to do something, don't just rely on the relationship capital you've accumulated because when you do, without attending to the connection to purpose, at some point that relationship capital will run out. 
Teachers need to make the learning relevant to the reality of their students and help them connect to their internal reason for wanting to learn what you're teaching. Work supervisors need to also help their workers connect to the mission and vision of the company as well as develop a personal connection for how their work supports that company's mission and vision. This is a relationship you're not in control of, but you have great power and influence over. When you know your students are employees and what's important to them, you'll be able to help them make these connections. Significance. The need for significance is about being competent, listened to, and respected. It's about getting the mentoring and training needed to get better at your job while preparing for forward advancement if you want it. It's about knowing what you do matters and that you make a difference. It can also mean the ways in which you leave a legacy. Teachers can have a huge impact on creating a classroom where students can get this need met through differentiated instruction designed to maximize the learning capacity of each student. It's also helpful for teachers to guide a student's self-directed learning path by harnessing their interests and passions in a way that allows them to study what they want and still learn the common core material required of students. Do away with traditional grades by never settling for less than competent work knowing it may take some students longer than others to achieve competence in a certain lesson, but allowing for extra time so no one ever fails or gets socially promoted because they're too old to stay in the same grade. Clearly communicate that you will not allow students to move ahead without a competent understanding of the foundational material. Students can continue working until they get it. Provide students positions of authority in the classroom as they demonstrate an interest and responsibility to be effective in those positions. Listen to students and seek their opinions on what they're learning and what and how they'd like to learn. Model and encourage a growth mindset. There would be a similar approach at work. Respecting people the way they want to be respected involves getting to know them well enough to understand how they like to be treated. Help people in your environment respect one another, not based on how other people treat them, but because respect is a value in the environment and respectful is what the person wants to be. Find out and help workers tap into their potential and passion. Do not hold someone back from promotion or transfer because they're a good worker you don't want to lose. Invest in your people and they will invest in you. Get people the training and resources they need to do their best work. Ask them for and listen to their opinions about what that will take. Allow them to have an impact in the classroom or workspace by asking, listening, and acting whenever possible on their opinions. Allow them to have an impact in the classroom or workspace by asking for, listening to, and acting on their opinions whenever possible. When you're explaining a new topic, work hard to include savvy, somatic, auditory, visual, and intellectual explanations to cover the learning styles of everyone being impacted. Understand the difference between introverts and extroverts and make accommodations to maximize the participation of both. While you're creating opportunities for everyone in your environment to get their significance need met, don't forget you'll need to have space to meet your own. You'll want to develop the images of what success looks like to you and work towards those. I derived a lot of significance from creating environments where my people could get their needs met, 
That allowed me to feel competent, effective, and relevant as a leader, so my significance needs were met. How will you meet yours? Freedom. The next need is freedom, which can strike terror in the hearts of teachers and leaders alike, especially those seeking safety and security and significance. There's a myth out there about providing freedom to students or workers and how that will result in nothing being accomplished. This has not been borne out in real life. When people in school and work have a sense of independence, choices, and can harness their creativity, amazing things can happen. Just remember there's an adjustment period. If you've been a teacher or manager that's been rather controlling and you decide to loosen that control, there will be an adjustment period when people go a little crazy, pushing the limits to see what they can do. Just stay consistent about where the lines are, know there will be people who cross them, and instead of squashing them like a bug, gently go to where they are and remind them of the boundaries and lead them back. Sometimes an individual in the environment might need a period of time to check out of the learning or work environment. This should be permissible without any repercussions. It might be a space at the back of a classroom for students to take the time they need to get re-engaged with the learning, or at work, it could be the encouragement of the use of mental health time, taking a walk, or just taking a break for when an employee's head just isn't in the game for whatever reason. I also like to think of a teacher or manager providing their people freedom by letting them know the end product they're looking for while allowing their students or employees to come up with the methods to accomplish that end product. Be sure to encourage as much freedom as can be responsibly managed. If your people want to work from home and can be productive while doing that, then they earn that responsibility. However, if their production is negatively affected, they may not have that privilege. And as with other needs, build ways in for you to get your own need for freedom met in the school or work environment. This can be accomplished by going home for lunch or eating quietly at your desk with no one else around. You can model freedom by doing things your own way and questioning the status quo. The final need is the need for joy, and it has three possible avenues to pursue depending upon how a person defines joy, or it could be any combination of two or all three of them together. Some people derive joy from the wild and crazy kind of joy that can be categorized as play. Others experience joy in quiet, relaxing pursuits, and there are others who gain joy through discovery learning. As a teacher or manager, you want to be sure you have opportunities in place for all three types of joy to be experienced at school or work, including ways for you to create or experience joy for yourself. The first kind can be had through breaks, lunch, humor, exercise, etc. The second through some quick mindfulness techniques like deep breathing or sensory grounding. The final can be easily done in school through project-based learning and at work through relevant, effective training opportunities and coaching. Employee resource groups, also known as ERGs, are designed to help marginalized or disenfranchised groups in the workplace to have a collective voice and to capture the attention of management to issues that affect their particular group. These, done well, are a valuable resource to any company looking to level their playing fields for all employees. 
Without taking anything away from the original intent of ERGs, I like to recommend the concept of creating five ERGs to represent the basic human needs. So there would be groups looking out for ways to get safety and security, connection, significance, freedom, and joy met in school and the workplace. Their job would be to report on satisfaction levels in their particular need area, as well as making recommendations for improvements. These ERGs would combat the problem of need strength bias, which occurs when a teacher or supervisor favors the needs that are important to him or her and puts opportunities in place for people to meet those needs, but neglects the needs that aren't as important in their worldview. I hope today's program has given you a look into one aspect of bringing choice theory into the classroom or workplace, and that you'll join me next week when I discuss the elements of a Glasser quality school or classroom. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at www.therelationshipcenter.biz forward slash podcast. And remember to subscribe.